This then is the text for today. He said, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he took Eliav and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. May God bless the reading of his word. Samuel is in a situation. Samuel is stuck between his own intuition guided by the Holy Spirit and a king who is becoming increasingly antagonistic. Samuel at this point is scared for his life. But something just as depressing and maybe even more depressing than being scared for his life was remembering all of that time, all of the time and energy and effort that he had invested in King Saul. Samuel had invested about all that he had in raising up this king for the people. And this king that he had spoken into, this king that he had anointed by the hands of God, this king that he had invested in, failed and failed miserably. So where do you turn? Where do you turn when your life is completely invested in a man proven to be a fraud? You feel like years of your life are stolen from you because this so-called leader cannot stay on the straight and narrow. Samuel was grieving. Samuel was grieving over Saul's indiscretions more than Saul was grieving over Saul's indiscretions. It breaks your heart. It breaks your heart when you have trusted your life with a man who fails you. I remember one time consoling a friend. And this fan, friend was, was worried because he had found out that the pastor who brought him to Christ and the pastor that had ordained him as a deacon was having an affair the whole time. And that pastor had to be let go. And, and in all of that, he started to doubt his faith. Was this real? He started to doubt his call. And doubt started to flood his heart about all that God was doing in his life because of one leader's sins. It hurts. He had every right to be pained. Just like Samuel had every right to be pained. It hurts when people who should never let you down let you down. Now, you might could find fault with Samuel here in, in the fear, but he was cut deep, as deep as any of us have ever been cut. 
And, and this man who had wronged Samuel now had Samuel's life in his hands. Samuel's situation was bleak. And I imagine in the middle of it all, he couldn't think of a way out. But as bleak as Samuel's situation was, God reigns forever and ever. God reigns over every man on this earth. God reigns over every trial in our lives. God reigns over every temptation. God reigns over every failure that we have ever had. You see, whatever pain and whatever guilt Samuel was hanging on to, God had already let go of. God had let go of it a long time ago. I wonder if, if Samuel even started to think that, that God had failed or that God had failed him or God had failed Israel. But he hadn't. God had not failed his people. God reigns resolute. Just because your spiritual leader has failed you and just because your earthly kings and politicians have failed you does not mean that God has failed you. See, God, God was looking down on this whole situation. God was looking down over Samuel. God was looking down over Israel. And he looked with great concern in his eyes and in his heart. See, God was left there. God was the only one that was left. And God was the one who was left giving them another way out. God was there and he was saying, here is another way out after yet another man has failed you. And as, as man fails you time and time again, I am here. I am here offering you another way out. It is laid out before you completely. Don't hang on to these earthly leaders that fail you over and over again. You know, we, we, we spend all kinds of time and all kinds of energy in our life hanging on to stuff and hanging on to people and hanging on to junk and hanging on to daydreams that God has let go of a long time ago. And for many of us, the solution is as simple as the question that God asks Samuel in chapter 16, verse 1. How long will you grieve? Now, I know that, that Saul was a disaster of a leader. Every once in a while, you're going to get disastrous people in your life. Get disastrous people out in front of you. Let God handle it. God was laying it all out before them. See, in 1 Samuel 16, God had already set into motion a series of events that would bring about healing. Whenever Samuel was ready to get up and go, God had it fixed. God had it ready. God had chosen the new leader to replace this disgraceful king. We know the story. We, we've read 1 Samuel 16 this week. Samuel eventually comes to his senses, and he starts to hear what God is doing. And, and he starts to see that, that God is in this, and God is at work. And what's interesting, as Samuel starts to get up and go, as Samuel starts to sort of see where God is working and step in that direction, he, he doesn't know all of it, but he knows just enough, he knows just enough of the details to make this happen. He doesn't know the important stuff yet, and, and that's his faith. He knows just enough to get up and go, and God's going to reveal it as he continues on. 
So Samuel's supposed to go, and he's supposed to go and make a, a sacrifice in Bethlehem with Jesse. Samuel knows he's supposed to find the next leader there, but he doesn't know who it is. He has no clue. In fact, Samuel steps in front of these men, and he starts to wonder, well, well, who is it? First one that comes in, he says, surely this must be the man that God has in store for us. This man that's close to God. He may be the closest to God in all of Israel. And God looks down and says, no, that's not the right one. Seven other guys come through, and each one, he tells Samuel, no, that's not the right one. That's not the one in God's solution for this plan. See, there are all kinds of people who fit in and who have all the worldly qualifications that they could possibly dream of. But worldly qualifications do not matter in the kingdom of God. It's not worldly qualifications that make you ready to minister. It's not worldly status that makes you ready to live out the gospel in the kingdom of God on this earth. God is, God is looking for something else. God's looking for something more. See, when God is looking for a leader, or when God's looking for a missionary, or when God is looking for somebody to impact this community, he doesn't look at resumes. He takes an x-ray of your heart. He looks directly into who you are, and he knows. He knows exactly where to go. See, God is looking for specific characteristics in these chest x-rays. Samuel, he, he looked at that first person, the, the first son that came out in front of him and said, surely this is the guy. But what did God say? God said, no. The x-ray came back with significant issues. There were, there were seven guys that just kept coming through, and, and God pierced their chest and looked into their heart, and God could see the turmoil boiling over in their inner self. He knew they weren't right. He knew they, they weren't ready because he could see that heart x-ray. He could see into who they were. They had real heart problems. And they don't tell us what all the issues here in 1 Samuel 16 are. He doesn't, he doesn't lay that out. He just says one after the other that, that they aren't right. And then eventually he gets to the right one. We don't know what God saw in their hearts. But Scripture in other places explains a lot of what God sees when he looks into our hearts. Luke 21 describes a heart like this. It's, it's a heart that's bound up in chains. And, and the chains are weighted down. And, and they're so weighted down, it's, it's almost like the person is going to take their heart out, throw it into the sea, and let it sink to the bottom. As Luke 21 describes that kind of a heart, it, it's a heart where people care more about worldly things than godly things. They take terrible substitutions for life like drunkenness or unhealthy relationships. And, and they let those things pull their heart down into their stomach and make life miserable. God sees those weighted chains wrapped around your heart by your own hands. It happens. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what God saw in one of these sons. Or maybe God saw something like this in Eliav. Maybe he saw a fat heart. Scripture often brings up Hearts that have way too much fat around them. James 5, Psalm 119 talks about this. Let me read James 5, 1 through 5 to you. This is what the word of the Lord says about those of us with fat hearts. Come now, you rich. 
Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be like a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It's in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 5. You have lived luxuriously on this earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts for a day of slaughter. God is bringing down holy judgment on people with fat hearts. Those that have continually indulged themselves on the things of this world, especially at the expense of others. So it's just fat gathering around your heart, making it harder and harder to beat. When, when your heart, when it, when it really just wants more stuff, or when your heart is, is ready for, for giddiness more than it is for God, you are in real trouble. See, there, there are many of us listening today who knew to examine our own hearts. Because in our hearts, we would much rather have a new thing or a new experience rather than a relationship with God. Scripture says you have a fat heart. And God knows it. God knows where your heart is. Even if you can't bring yourself to say it out loud, God has seen it in all of its pain. And I'm, I'm sure one of those, those seven that God x-rayed that day in front of Samuel had a fat heart ready to burst. God saw some hardened hearts in there too. There are a few people in Scripture that, that are described as having hardened hearts. And usually it's somebody that has set out against God. In some form they have known God or they have seen God. And instead of listening, instead of following, instead of obeying, they turn their heart and they say, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I see the glory of God and I'm going to go the other direction. We know a famous one, Pharaoh. He was seeing the glory of God play out and miracle after miracle in front of him. And he, he turned his heart against God. It was, it was hardened. So he decided he wasn't going to let the people of Israel go. He didn't want to have anything to do with God no matter what he saw in front of him. His heart was hardened. There's another story, too, that, that, that's uh, less well-known, where Jesus looks at his disciples, and he accuses his disciples of having a hardened heart. It's right after one of those feeding stories. It's the feeding of the 4,000, where, where Jesus has fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And as you keep reading, keep reading in the gospel, and it goes, and the, the disciples leave that area, Everybody's fed, everybody's heading out home. The disciples set out on a boat. And as they set out on the boat, they start to worry and they start to bicker with one another. And they're, they're worried and they're arguing about whether or not they have enough bread to eat. And Jesus looks at them and says, how hard is your heart? What have you just seen in front of you? And you still worry. You, you still can't obey. You still can't follow after everything that you have just seen. Those hearts are hardened. God saw several hearts that day in Bethlehem. Some bad, there may have been some good ones too. There's, there's good ways that, that scripture describes our hearts. Some of them are made out of clay. 
where it's as if where your heart is supposed to be, there's this lump of clay ready to be, ready to be molded into what God has in store for you. See, God's eyes light up when he sees a lump of clay on the x-ray. Scripture talks, too, about, about, about a heart that's a tablet. And when you think tablet, don't think stone, think book. This is a person who knows Scripture so well. They're in the Word of God every day so that the Word of God is imprinted upon their lives. You're so close to God that it's like it's written directly onto your heart. That when God looks at the x-ray of your life, he sees a memory verse instead of disease. Scripture keeps going, too. There's, there's several other. Scripture talks about having pure hearts and circumcised hearts. Scripture talks about having a, a broken heart, all in a positive way. Th- these, these are the holy hearts that we long for, the hearts expressly set aside for the glory of God. And maybe that's what God saw when he looked at David's x-ray. God looked down into David's heart and saw something special. That's where we get verse seven in today's reverse text, 1 Samuel 16, seven. It says God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't care how handsome David was. He didn't care how everybody else in that room looked. But he looked down into the heart. He looked at an inner x-ray, an x-ray of the inner self. And when he got to David, he saw something special. There was a holiness lingering Inside David was a desire to be near God. David's heart wasn't chained and weighted down by cares of this world. It wasn't fat and overflowing with junk. It wasn't caked over with a cynical hardening. In David's heart, God could see a spark of desire, a place of hope, the slightest yearning to be near God. God took it. See, when when God x-rays our hearts, what does he find? We know it's a comprehensive x-ray. So God God finds everything. He finds everything stored away in the corners of our lives and our heart. God finds those things that you think about when your head hits the pillow. All those thoughts, all those fears, all those vengeful, vengeful vulgarities, all those guilty pleasures, God's x-ray of your heart brings all of that into an uncomfortable light. And God knows it and God sees it. See, God knows the difference between what you say and what you think. God knows the difference between the way you act and the way you feel. And as squirmish as that makes us, it is a good thing. And we should welcome those x-rays with open arms. It is a good thing that God has those x-rays of our inner lives because it is God alone who can heal us. There's nobody out there, there's no one else in this world who's going to bring healing into your life. There's nobody else that's going to bring healing into your heart and peace into your inner life than our God alone. See, those, healthy, or those unhealthy thoughts and those, those unhealthy parts of your inner life, they're between you and your God, and he can heal them. And he is ready to heal them this morning. See, remember, when God is, is searching out this earth for his people, and when God is raising up leaders in this place, he's not looking for one perfect x-ray. 
Because there's not one perfectly fit heart in this place this morning. But God is looking for something else. He's looking for a lump of clay. He's looking for the one heart in here that is moldable. The, The one heart that will be shaped into an obedience that will transform this world. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for that lump of clay that will listen to his voice and be made right this morning. And you know King David's story. King David's life was plagued with all kinds of heart failures. And even still, God nurtures him. God nurtures him back to life. See, God isn't looking for the the perfect heart in this place this morning. God's looking for for a heart that cares enough about Scripture that'll reflect on the words of God in the most painful situations of this life. That's what God's looking for in your heart this morning. That's what will heal you and make you right. God's looking for the the broken hearts that are in this place this morning. People whose hearts are broken because they see the world for what it really is. There are a lot of people that surround us. There are a lot of people in this community that are confused. They're alienated by the world. They're being tossed back and forth. And the rest of us can see it. And it breaks our heart. That's what God's looking for. The the heart that's broken by a single sin. That's what God's looking for. I want to read you one more. It's Psalm 115, or excuse me, Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and and here is, this is a Psalm of David talking about his heart. Psalm 51, this is 10 and 11. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Then a few verses later, he continues this way. He says, God, I know you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would forgive it. You're not pleased uh, with burnt offerings. But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And this is, this is where he ends this section. He says, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. That's what, that's what God is looking for. When, you, when your heart is broken, that's when God can use you. When you're finally ready to set aside the things of this world and, and all the other things that draw your attention away from God. When, when all of that is just, just finally over and your heart is broken by the sin, God says, perfect. That's exactly what I need. I don't need a perfect heart. I need a broken heart this morning so that I can raise you up and be a part of my kingdom doing my work in this place. That's what God is calling us to do, and that's who God is calling us to be this morning. And we need to hear clearly that a broken heart is not the end, but a broken heart is the perfect place for God to begin. That's the perfect place for God to start his work in your life. That when you crack open your heart and let God in, you can be healed. That's what God's looking for this morning. Open up your heart. Let God in so you can finally be healed completely, fully by the Lord our God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we pray that as you examine our hearts, 
we pray that you would find us ready, willing, and able. That we would be people who hand our hearts completely over to you. And Lord, that you would heal us and you would make us right. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.